Iowa everywhere. Ready, Hawk fans? John Miller is going in-depth with analysis and breakdown. Answers, insights, and a look ahead to next week. It's Hawkeye Sunday with John Miller. Only on Iowa Everywhere. Sunday Reaction Podcast here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. This one is Hawkeye-related, as I am John Miller, and that is what I do. Iowa 27 and Nevada 0. Those of you that listen to the uh, program with myself and Chris Williams that was released on Friday, you realize that I took the under. I think it was like, I don't know, 39, 37. I don't remember what Chris told me. Don't even know if it was accurate. Maybe he was sandbagging on me looking to had his side of the wager and I said give me the under and he said he'd take the over and uh that's a winner winner chicken dinner here Iowa and the under is um this is not gambling advice I rarely ever do it myself not for any moral reason it's just uh well I tried to get my apps set up on my phone and the bank that I have that I've kept since we lived in Oklahoma Bank of Oklahoma it does not like to communicate with the uh with the apps the the uh, gambling app so I'm just going to sit on the sidelines for a little bit and wait until I either get a new bank or get it figured out or don't really care what an interesting game this was uh interesting in the fact that <laughs> Well, I mean, it started at 6.40, and it ended at 1.39. Three weather delays that lasted a total of 236 minutes. So the contest spanned six hours and 59 minutes from start to finish. I did not do the math on that. Thankfully, Iowa's sports information department did that math for us. And let's just focus on this game at first. Please try to hold your eye rolls to the end when we step back then and, and look more at the macro at that point in time. But let's just focus on this game in and of itself as much as possible okay i was i was going to say exclusively but i'm sure i'm going to be bringing up things that aren't necessarily focused on this game blah 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 blah. all right so 27 nothing against nevada and the statistics in this game um as far as team are concerned iowa had 15 first downs which you know not scintillating against a a team that seems like a really bad team. Iowa averaged 4.6 yards per rush, which, you know, some people might say, well, John, they should have ran much better against a a Nevada team. They gave up over 600 yards to Incarnate Word the week before. And, and, you know, I'm not going to argue with you, but let let me just say this. Well, you've heard it before. Iowa's offensive... Uh, scheme just invites more defenders into the box. I think you've all seen it multiple times. Those of you that have been listening for me for any period of time know that this is something that has been frustrating me for uh, years, maybe even decades, almost decades, but over a decade for sure, as Iowa's offense is rarely one that um, is in the top half of NCAA offensive statistics. So 4.6 yards per carry 
on 35 rushing attempts is actually pretty salty. Now, those those statistics were certainly padded. They were padded by two very long runs by Caleb Johnson. He had a touchdown run of 40 yards and a touchdown run of 55 yards. So that is 105 yards rushing in two carries. Now let's back those two out. And with the magic of uh, pausing, I will make this sound seamless. If you take away those two long runs by Caleb Johnson, Iowa averaged 1.7 yards per carry, which is dog poop. That's, that's fewer yards per carry than what Nevada averaged on the day, which was uh, 1.9. So on the one hand, you're like, hey, 4.6 yards per carry. You may have even heard some optimism in my voice. But when you back out the long runs... It is still really tough sledding in the trenches for the Iowa running backs. And I continue to believe that this is significantly impacted and the challenges are uh, significantly amplified because of Iowa's scheme, because of Iowa's penchant for fullbacks and I formations and power formations. And that just, I mean, routinely, routinely, Nevada had eight defenders in the box. And to me, the box is basically if you go to Iowa's tackles and you basically go, you know, towards the end zone, uh, a straight line towards the end zone on the outside shoulder of the tackles inside those outside shoulders is the tackle box. And there was routinely eight players whose bodies were at least part of their bodies were in the tackle box. And there was often a ninth player who was maybe uh, a yard or two just outside the tackle box, but that defender's role was run support. So, and Iowa does this by having five offensive linemen. All right, there's there's your, your five offensive linemen, sometimes an inline tight end along with an I formation running back fullback and quarterback so that's five six seven eight nine Iowa players that are inside the box so you invite trouble you invite congestion you invite problems in the area that you are trying to attack and you can run the same many of the same plays and schemes that you want to run even as archaic as they are, you can still run those, but do so without a fullback. Do so without an eye formation. Do so out of shotgun with a single back offset with the quarterback. Do so with maybe your tight end, sometimes in line. I get it. It's nice to have um, it's nice to have formational optionality because you know you can set up a formation and look like a run or a pass blah 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 I get it but man if you're gonna try and run the ball over 50% of your plays which Iowa certainly wants to do each and every game make it a little easier on yourself okay head beating against the wall moving on so we see that the the rushing statistics hey I they, those two long runs still happened. They were blocked, they were executed, and that is awesome. I'm not complaining about that, not at all. Hope to see more of that. Um, it's just, you know, it's hard to do that against fronts that where there are more defenders than there are blockers. 
It's just very difficult to do that. Now, one, one of the opportunities is like what you saw in the 40-yard touchdown run is if uh, defenders are out of position, as they were in that, they took a bad angle to the, the secondary, took bad angles to get to uh, Johnson. Well, you can break one. That second touchdown run of 55 yards was so well blocked. Um, had a, I think it was a pulling guard. Um, Jennings pulled, kicked out uh, a would-be tackler, and Johnson was off to the races. So that was good to see. Good execution there. Total yards in the day, 337 for Iowa. I think Iowa's offensive average just jumped up to 217 yards a game, which was a big jump from the 158 they were averaging coming into this contest. Still good enough for last in uh, Division One football. I think uh, one of the New Mexicos, they, they both suck, but uh, that state's just bad at football. New Mexico is bad at football. That would be a T-shirt um, down in New Mexico way. But they're somewhere around 237. So I was still last in offense. And you know what? Sunday mornings for most of my um, – most of the last two-plus decades – one of the first things I do when I wake up on Sunday mornings is go look at the NCAA statistical comparison rankings. I did it today out of habit. I knew what I was going to find. And I'm like, why are you doing this, John? Why are you doing this to yourself? Open it up. Dead last. Total offense. Scoring. All, I mean, it's just yeah. defense looks good, though. Number two in scoring defense in the nation. Number four in total defense in the nation. Um, Tory uh, uh, Taylor's doing well. Uh, he had seven punts last night, averaged 46.7 yards per punt, four of them inside the 20, 50, uh, three of them were 50 yards or more. So that was another great night uh, for Torrey, but just a weird night overall. Iowa lost the time of possession advantage. This was a stat I was surprised with. Iowa's time of possession, well, I shouldn't be surprised by it. Iowa's time of possession is somewhere around 27, uh, between 27 and 28 minutes, and it's, it's one of the worst in the country. It's more like the 15 or so worst in the country, which is not something you typically see out of an Iowa team. But it makes sense when your offense really can't get anything going. And I just mentioned before I was going to focus on this game and not slip to the macro. So I apologize. I already did it. So I can't be mad at you when you do it as well. Um, I thought Spencer Petrus looked um, competent last night. He looked like a quarterback that can make plays. Um, it was interesting. A couple times he was more quick to pull it down and run with it. But I thought many of his passes. There were there was a pass after the um, after the last delay when Iowa was coming down the home stretch. That was I think behind Sam Laporta. It, it was like one of the only really bad balls I remember him throwing. There might have been a couple of others that he threw in the really tight windows and forced. But for the most part, I thought Petrus. This is as good as he looked probably since some point in time in the first six games of last season. Uh, he made some really good throws. He was really let down by his receiving core in this game. Uh, the offensive line also um, you know, was competent. In, in this particular game as well. Uh, I think Ellsbury needs to be your left guard. I, don't, I would stop shuffling things. Iowa looked a lot better when he was in at left guard next to Mason Richmond than they did when he was not. Ellsbury taking snaps at center, actually, I think on Iowa's final drive too. Not sure there. Speaking of center, um, the snaps, it's still an issue where 
Spencer Petrus gives his cadence out and makes whatever sound that means to snap the ball. It's like everyone else on the line and Spencer, um, when that sound is made, they all are on the program. It's just that the center is not, and the ball is getting back to Spencer Petrus delayed, and after the offensive linemen, other offensive linemen are already moving. And the problem that you have here, one, there's multiple problems. One, Spencer Petrus begins to pull his hands out which he does when he makes that sound, when he makes the snap sound, that's going to lead to some center quarterback exchange issues. Number two, the other offensive linemen are already getting into their motions to their blocks before the ball is back to Spencer Petrus, which creates a weird looking, it's like, you know, the worst synchronized swimming team you could have. Half the line's moving, the other half's just getting going, and the center is not moving his body at all. He's late in getting the ball back to Spencer Petrus. This, it just creates all kinds of problems. The defense is keen off the movement of the uh, offensive player across from them. In some instances, it's the ball, but if you're a defender and if you're the player across from you is moving, you move too because there's nothing that bad is going to happen to you as a defender if you move, if the offensive guy moves. Um, it's the offensive guy that has the problem. Could get a false start, etc. So I'm not as much worried about a penalty as I am the defense getting a head start on body motion and inertia. And if if just even if just one interior defender gets that jump, and your center is still not got the ball back to your quarterback. That's going to create a problem. Your center is not going to be an effective blocker. He's not going to be able to reach. Um, and yes, we were spoiled with maybe the best center in school history in Tyler Linderbaum the last few years. But this is an issue. And this is going to be an issue that continues to... Um, this is going to be an issue that's going to, that's going to bite them. I think some of the offensive line play has been um, hampered. The cohesiveness has been hampered by this seemingly small thing, but it's not a small thing. Um, there's really not small things in football. If somebody's not doing their job correctly. They gets amplified and then it affects somebody else. The receivers let Spencer Petrus down in this game. Brody Brecht looked like a guy who has barely played college football before. Um, slowed down uh, on the corner fade to the end zone and then he tried to catch up. And there's some people on Twitter saying, well, John, you know, Spencer Petrus needs to throw that to his inside shoulder. I'm like, what, what, you know, Spencer Petrus threw a perfect ball to a place that only his receiver could get it to where it touched his receiver's hands. End of flipping story. End of story on that one. I get that everybody just wants to rail on Spencer, and they're so bitter about Spencer that they can't you know, be objective and see the good that he does when he does it. And there was a lot of good from Spencer last night. 
the throw to the opposite corner to Nico Reganey. Nico looked like he was slow getting out of his break. And again, he th- these guys are, you know, Breck's been injured most of camp. Reganey's been hampered most of camp. So there's going to be rust. There's going to be timing issues. But these weren't Spencer Petras problems, okay? When we're just talking about this game, and you if, if you just watch this game and you did not have any scar tissue build up for the last year and a half, two years with Spencer Petras, you would objectively be able to say, wow, uh, that quarterback, that guy for Iowa was throwing some pretty good balls. His receivers just let him down. And why? It's, it's, I'm recording this at 921 in the morning, and Ginger's already behind me snoring. I know we had a late night last night. But gee, many Christmas. Sorry about that. But you know what? Ginger's just a part of this show. She's an uncredited, con- uncredited contributor to the show. So I thought Spencer Petras actually um, played representative football last night, and that is a term that just popped into my head that I'm now chuckling about internally. You can't hear it, but I am chuckling internally. Is That's a word that Kirk Ferentz has used this year that – um, it's just not a representative of what he's capable of with the, you know, the offensive line shuffling, shuffling with the receiver shuffling. Do I think that some things have been fixed and the trajectory is up and to the right from here on out? I wouldn't bet on the over on that one. But for one night, um, there was flashes of competence. If that is a... I mean, is that, is, that, is that as much glowing praise as I can put on the offense? There were flashes of competence. Um, you know, addicts uh, have a saying, moments of clarity when you, you know, have brief fleeting moments where you're beating your addiction. That There was flashes of competence last night from the Iowa offense. We'll see if they can build upon that as they go out to play, uh, to play Rutgers. But really... Um, Really hoping that Logan Jones uh, at center can get some things figured out. I mean, obviously, they're working on it. I'm not saying anything that the Iowa coaching staff isn't aware of, but uh, it's a it's a breaking in process. That is that is for certain on the defense. I mean, they were nails. Jack Campbell with 10 uh, total tackles. Lucas Van Nex with a sack and a half, two and a half cycles for loss. Um, you know, I thought that Cooper DeGene played a huge game, had one interception, could have had a couple. He was just all over the place. Aaron Graves getting a sack. You know what was great is after Iowa came back, I think from the second um, delay or maybe it was the third, um, certainly the last one where they played basically the last uh, quarter and a half of the game. Iowa had a number of second teamers in on the defensive line. Still had their linebackers in. Still had, you know, a, the, their their first line secondary in for uh, most of that time. Then they did make some changes there too. But Iowa worked in many of their um, backups. Jeremiah Pittman, uh, he stood out. Aaron Graves stood out for his play. Um, they're late. Uh, Max Llewellyn really stood out as well. So it was, and Devontae Craig was in there. It was really nice to see that Iowa was able to maintain the shutout with their backups. And I'm sure the defense is loving that today. There's only a couple three and outs today by the Iowa offense. Um, you know, in the, in the second half, 
Iowa's drives were this. Three plays, nine yards punt. Five plays, 46 yards field goal. Three plays, negative one yards punt. Six plays, 11 yards punt. One play, 55-yard touchdown. Seven plays, 35 yards. Just wasn't a lot of excitement. You, you can basically throw the second half out, given all the disruptions. And, you know, uh, hopefully there, there weren't injuries. I mean, you get start and stopped and start and stopped. You really start worrying about soft tissue uh, issues. And it looks like Iowa did a great job of getting – you know, getting some players out and, and protecting themselves from further harm because, you know, there is a rest of the season now. And let's step back a little bit and look um, at the macro. So I'm looking at Iowa's uh, statistical cumulative statistics through three games. Um, they've scored 41 points. 13.7 points per game. Thankfully, the defense is only giving up 4.3 points per game. Um I was only been able to score seven points off turnovers, which is a bit of a surprise and a bit of a concern. Um, averaging 2.9 yards per rush. That's not good, but they're allowing 2.1. Um, 3.8 yards per play. Not great. 2.9 for the defense. That's really good. Iowa has nine sacks in three games, putting them on a pace for 36 for the season. Uh, this is probably going to be one of those years where the 30-plus sack total threshold is not a harbinger or a bellwether, rather, of uh, what this team can do or what this team's ultimate record will be. Scott Dockerman of The Athletic oftentimes has cited this statistic that when Iowa, in seasons where they have 30 or more sacks, they uh, typically win 10 games. I think that has... <clears throat> Held true every year but once. Iowa will probably have a little bit of a prep disruption today as they prepare um, for Rutgers on Friday. Rutgers, not a great team, but Iowa, not a great team. Iowa in two-thirds of the makeup special teams and defense is very good, uh, nearly elite. But offense, that is, you know, the, this, this team's ceiling is as high as the offense is capable of getting to being average. Even just below average. If this offense can consistently be just below average, then this team probably can still win eight or nine games. I don't know if they will be able to do that. And who knows, maybe they will pleasantly surprise all of us as the receivers get back and this week in practice spencer petrus uh practices throwing to a full complement of receivers for the full time for, for the first time this season and the offensive line has another uh set of reps under their belt and maybe the staff decides okay we're going to go here with this person we're going to quit shuffling um maybe maybe they Maybe they can get closer to average. I'm not banking on it. I'm not betting on it. I'm certainly not tying any of my emotions to it. I'm going to sit back as objectively as possible and as emotionless as possible. And I know that sounds unfun, and it is. But I have, as I said before, um, seen Lucy pull this football away too many times. I am not believing that this team all of a sudden is becoming an offensive juggernaut because even though they did put up some numbers last night, those are not offensive juggernaut numbers. And as I said before, they invite a lot of the problems on themselves. They're going to continue to invite a lot of problems on themselves. And they are going to continue to face stacked fronts. So all that said, we look forward to the second to the start of Big Ten play. Iowa 2-1 and one 
and I am at least happy that their offense got on track a little bit certainly a lot of bit compared to where they were the first two games but a little bit compared to their peers around the sport and uh We'll see. It'd be nice to start Big Ten play. Want to know? That'll do it for this installment of the uh, Iowa Everywhere Hawkeye Reaction Show, whatever it is that Chris wants to call this. We all at Iowa Everywhere thank each and every one of you for listening to this. And I would encourage you, if you're an Iowa fan listening to this, you know, give uh, a listen to the other shows that are on the network and they're, they're entertaining. Uh, there's entertainment out there for you. It is on demand. It is at your control. You run into the grocery store. You just push pause. You come back out, picks right up where you left off. Uh, take care. Iowa everywhere.